Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. has a way of eroding our principles if we're not careful. And what ended up happening is that Asa became a man over time who was no longer defined by God-reliance, but it turned into self-reliance. Asa's God-reliance turned into self-reliance. He ended up over time becoming a man who basically said, in effect, I got this. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 2 Chronicles. I got this. You might think this dangerous thought when you're young and green, or you might think it when you've been around the block more than once, like in the case of King Asa. No matter how old and experienced you get, self-reliance is never a good idea. We'll learn in today's message how this sin became an ugly blemish on King Asa's otherwise good reign. Trusting in yourself and not in God's wisdom will create ruin in your life too. As soon as you think, I got this, pride has usurped God's rightful throne in your heart. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary for part two of today's message titled, The Sin of Self-Reliance. Verse 13 here says, all who would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, were to be put to death, whether small or great man or woman. That's a little challenging, isn't it? I mean, nothing like motivating you to get serious about God like the threat of death. You know, do you want to get serious with God? No, not really. You want to think about that again? Okay, yeah. Now, this is how Old Testament rolls, right? I mean, this is Old Testament stuff right here. Asa says, all right, now, let's get it all straight here. All you people are going to worship God. We're going to seek God together, right? Everybody on board. Whoever doesn't raise their hand is going to die today. Who wants to serve God? Yeah, everybody's going to raise their hand. Now, this is not all that sustainable. This might be commendable on some level. The idea that Asa is so passionate about wanting to serve God that he even tells people, I'm going to rid the land, not of just of the idols, but I'm going to rid the land of unbelievers. If you don't believe in God, you're dying. So in one sense, let's give him an A at least for passion, not the most brilliant thing to do to threaten people with death to follow God, because that's not sustainable. Once you invoke law in relation to God, law now makes it religion. 
when you use law as the way to connect with God, you have now made religion the object, and you have stolen relationship. Law is only a good regulator, but it is not a very good motivator. Short term, maybe. You know, if you're driving somewhere down the road and, you know, you know you're speeding and then you see, you know, a friendly police officer with a radar gun, all of a sudden law becomes a really good motivator, you know, and you get off the pedal and put the brakes on and hope you weren't going too fast. But that's not sustainable because as soon as you pass that guy and he's way in the rearview mirror, you're back to doing whatever you wanted to do. It's not sustainable. Law is a good regulator, but it is not a good motivator. Love is a good motivator. Love is a good motivator because the relationship with God that is based on love, not just simply on law, now is one that is sustainable because you are more motivated to follow after the Lord, knowing that he first loved you and in response, you love him. So love is a good motivator. Law is simply a good regulator. And how unmotivating would it be for you to follow God if John 3.16 had said, For God was so legally obligated to the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's not very motivating. But because it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then we begin to realize it was the love of God that motivated him on my behalf to send his son Jesus to die on a cross for me. Now that changes the whole approach. Now it's not this legal binding obligation. It is a motivated relationship on the basis of love. God first loved. God so loved. And by the way, God is the initiator and God is the pursuer. That's why the Bible speaks about the relationship of God to Israel and the relationship of Jesus to the church like a groom to a bride. Because the man is to be the initiator. The man is to be the pursuer. The groom is the one that pursues and initiates. God is the one who pursues. Jesus is the one who has initiated and pursued us with his love so that then we respond to his love. Now that's sustainable because now it is based on love. So what Asa is doing here is commendable only in the sense of his passion, but it is not sustainable. You can only short term force people with a threat of death to follow God. But if their heart is not connected, they won't in the end be a long-term follower of the Lord. So this is what he does though, you know, and the end of the section in chapter 15, verses 14 and 15, they do respond. It says verse 14, that they took an oath to the Lord with loud acclamation, with shouting and with trumpets and horns. All Judah rejoiced about the oath because they had sworn it wholeheartedly. They sought God eagerly and he was found by them. And then it says, so the Lord gave them rest on every side. There you have that same phrase repeated that we read earlier in chapter 14, verse 6, where God gave them rest. Here you have it again. God gave them rest on every side. They were at peace from their enemies. They were at peace as a nation. And the reason that they were at peace and God gave them rest was because Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And here's what he learned, and here's what he taught the people. You need to rely on God. You need to rely on on the Lord. Asa learned at a very young age to rely on God. I'm going to take you to a story back in chapter 13 when he was a young man and he observed his father relying on God. Go back to chapter 13. And I apologize because we're going to be flipping around looking at different passages, but I need you to understand the whole story here. And back in chapter 13, this shaped young Asa's mind. 
Now, his father, Abijah, again, was not listed as one of the good kings. But it doesn't mean that everything Abijah did was bad. There were some things that he did that was good. But overall, he was not listed among the good kings. And one of the good things that Abijah did, the father of Asa, was in a time of war, he sought the Lord and he relied on God. In chapter 13, here's the story, starting at verse 13. Now, Jeroboam had sent troops around to the rear so that while he was in front of Judah, the ambush was behind them. Now, here's what we're reading. Jeroboam, the king to the north, is coming to attack the king of the south. And the king of the south is Abijah, the father of Asa. And so here comes war, and Jeroboam is hemming him in and surrounding him, ambushing him. Verse 14, Judah turned and saw that they were being attacked at both front and rear. Then they cried out to the Lord. That's key. Then they cried out to the Lord. The priests blew their trumpets, and the men of Judah raised the battle cry. At the sound of their battle cry, God routed Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. The Israelites fled before Judah, and God delivered them into their hands. Abijah and his men inflicted heavy losses on them, so that there were 500,000 casualties among Israel's able men. The men of Israel were subdued on that occasion, and the men of Judah were victorious. Notice, here's why. Because they relied, circle that word, they relied on the Lord, the God of their fathers. Your attention for a moment. What happens is the northern king comes down to attack the southern king, Abijah, the father of Asa. The Bible tells us what I didn't read is that Abijah and Judah, because they're smaller, are way outnumbered, two to one. The northern kingdom comes with 800,000 soldiers. 500,000 of them will be dead before the end of the battle. Abijah comes with 400,000 soldiers, half of what the northern kingdom presents. But the big difference is that Abijah sought the Lord. The northern kingdom of Israel never had a single good king. They were always corrupt and evil before the Lord, and that's why they suffered loss and defeat here. Abijah, though overall not a very good king, did something right and honorable. He sought the Lord. He cried out to the Lord. And how many of you understand that when the odds are against you, it doesn't really matter as long as God is with you? And God was with him. In fact, a lot of times God loves for the odds to be stacked against us so that then he can display his glory and his power and his majesty in our lives. When you feel like a situation is outnumbered and you feel like this is overwhelming and this is a no-win thing, get ready because that's when God is most glorified. If everything were hitting on every cylinder and everything was perfect and wonderful and you had no real need of God because life is just wonderful then how is he ever going to display himself and the glory of his presence in your life? If not, but for when there are times when you feel completely outnumbered. So Abijah cries out to the Lord, and it says that they got victory from God because they relied on the Lord. Asa, as a young man, sees this and learns it. So now he is going to be attacked. Go to chapter 14. And when he's attacked in chapter 14, he's going to apply what he learned from his dad. In chapter 14, verse 9, says, Zerah the Cushite. Cush is the ancient word for Ethiopia. So the Ethiopians are going to come here. Zerah the Cushite marched out against them with a vast army and 300 chariots and came as far as Marishah. Asa, because Asa's king now, Asa went out to meet him and they took up battle positions in the valley of Zephathah near Marishah. Then 
Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, O Lord our God, for we, here's the word again, rely on you, and in your name we have come against this vast army. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. In verse 12 then, the Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah. And so God gave Asa a great victory, the people of Judah. Why? Because again, he relied on the Lord, cried out to the Lord, learned that his dad had cried out, relied on the Lord. God gave him victory. Asa cries out to the Lord and God gives him victory. He relied on God, at least for the first part of his reign. But tragically, time has a way of eroding our principles if we're not careful. Time has a way of eroding our principles if we're not careful. And what ended up happening is that Asa became a man over time who was no longer defined by God-reliance, but it turned into self-reliance. Asa's God-reliance turned into self-reliance. He ended up, over time, becoming a man who basically said, in effect, I got this. I got this. So fast forward 20 years into his reign and go to chapter 16 with me because now there's more battle. And this time the battle is not from the Cushites, but it is from the king of the northern kingdom, Basha, the king of Israel, is going to come down and attack Judah And so King Asa comes up with his own battle plan. See, he's now at a place in his life where he started to view his circumstances as something that he could handle. He started looking at life as something he could solve. He started looking at all his situations and think to himself, he could handle it. And so when he's about to be attacked here, I'm just going to read the first three verses of chapter 16. Here's what it says. In the 36th year of Asa's reign, Basha king of Israel went up against Judah and fortified Ramah to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the territory of Asa king of Judah. Asa then took the silver and gold out of the treasuries of the Lord's temple and of his own palace and sent it to Ben-Hadad king of Aram who was ruling in Damascus. Let there be a treaty between me and you, he said, as there was between my father and your father. See, I am sending you silver and gold. Now, break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so he will withdraw from me. Your attention, what's going on here? What's going on is that Asa realizes that he can triangulate the situation. He's got the northern king of Israel, Basha, coming down to attack him. But there's this other foreign king, the king of Aram, named Ben-Hadad. Aram is the ancient word for Syria. This is the Bashar al-Assar of of ancient times, king of Syria. And Asa decides, instead of relying on God, I'm going to go into the house of the Lord, take a bunch of silver and gold, take some of my own from my own palace, and I'm going to go pay Ben-Hadad to break his friendship with Basha, who's coming to attack me, and form an alliance with me. That's what he does. He says to Ben-Hadad, stop being friends with this guy to the north because he's coming to attack me. How about I give you a few Ben Franklins and you become my best pal? And Ben-Hadad says, okay, fine with me. And he takes the money and he attacks Basha in the north on behalf of Asa. And Asa sits back and he basically, technically, got a victory. 
I mean, he did. He technically got a victory. But look how he did it. He did it through his own craftiness, through his own scheming, through his own, I can do it myself. I got this. Instead of relying on God. And God sees this. And he sends the prophet Hanani to confront King Asa. Still with me here in chapter 16, look at verse 7. Here comes Hanani the prophet. He's referred to as the seer. It's an ancient term that just means prophet because he can see things that only God reveals him. Verse 7, in chapter 16, verse 7. At that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. Were not the Cushites and Libyans a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen? Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. Pause there for a second. Notice Hanani. The word again is rely. You didn't rely on the Lord. You relied on Ben-Hadad, king of Aram. And when you did, God saw it and he's grieved. And then Hanani revisits something. He says, wasn't God mighty on your behalf when the Cushites and the Libyans came against you? He's referring back to the story in chapter 14 we read a moment ago, 20 years earlier. Hanani says, wasn't God faithful then? Folks, listen. When you recognize the faithfulness of God working in your life, write it down. Take note of it. Because a similar thing might happen 20 days from now or 20 years from now. But the same God who was faithful then is the same God who will be faithful now. Trust Him again. Trust Him again. Faith builds on itself. Asa didn't trust God again. He trusted himself. He relied on himself. I can handle this. I'll just pay off this guy. I'll scheme. We'll do this. It'll work out fine. Hannah and I come and says, it's not going to work out so fine for you. Now, the next verse, a very strong verse, I love verse 9. Hanani says to him, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Pause there. Listen to that again. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He says to Asa, Asa, God would have helped you. God was ready to strengthen you. His eyes are roaming throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. And that word strengthen in the Hebrew can mean to encourage and to fortify. And by the way, this is not just a word from Hanani to Asa. This is a word from God in His Word to us even today. That God is still on the search throughout the planet to strengthen you whose hearts are fully devoted to Him. He wants to help us and strengthen us and encourage us. He says, Asa, God would have helped you if you had only cried out to Him. Now, when someone gets confronted with truth, they do one of two things. They either humble themselves and respond, or they get angry and reject it. Asa got angry and rejected it. And he put the prophet Hanani in prison. Verse 10 says, Asa was angry with the seer because of this. He was so enraged that he put him in prison. And at the same time, Asa brutally oppressed some of the people. I mean, this guy's just, you know, coming off the axles now. He's just like, you know, I don't even like what you're saying. I'm going to throw you in prison and I'm going to go beat up some people just for the fun of it. Because he's just an angry man now. I mean, this is the kind of guy who has a bad day at the office and then comes home and he yells at his wife and he kicks the dog. What did they do? Nothing. But you're just bent out of shape now. This is the way Asa is. He's all bent out of shape. I don't like that you've confronted me. I don't like to hear this. So off to prison with you. And I'm just going to go oppress a few people and beat some people up. 
and it gets worse for him. The Bible says in these closing verses that Asa, because he's become this man who's so stinking self-reliant, won't even turn to God, that he gets afflicted with a disease in his feet. I want you to see the final commentary on his life here. Verse 11, the events of, still here in chapter 16, verse 11, the events of Asa's reign from beginning to end are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though his disease was severe, even in his illness, notice, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. And then in the 41st year of his reign, Asa died and rested with his fathers. Your attention. Scholars believe that what happened was he developed necrosis of his feet. It's the dying off of the flesh. And the reason probably why he had necrosis was because perhaps poor circulation. And scholars believe that then as a result of the necrosis and poor circulation, gangrene set in and it overtook his body and he eventually died. It took two years, but he dies of this. Now, it wasn't wrong, by the way, for him to seek physicians. Okay, Even Jesus said in Matthew 9, 12, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. We have a few good doctors in our own church. I appreciate the doctors and how God uses doctors. That's not the issue here. The issue was not that he sought physicians. The issue was that he only sought physicians, and verse 12 says he did not seek help from the Lord. Why? Because I'm a self-sufficient man now. I just rely on myself. I don't really need God. I don't need anybody. i just go see a few doctors, but I got this. How many of you have been in a situation, not asking for a show of hands, where you thought to yourself, I got this, and it turned out after the fact, you don't got this, okay? Ace is that guy. Say, I got this. Everything's going to be fine. No, it wasn't fine. And you know what I find is interesting? Is where he was afflicted. Not his head, not his hands, wasn't wounded in battle, on his side with an arrow. He was afflicted in his feet. The ability to stand is a posture of strength. God took it from him. Whenever you think about wanting to be strong, there's a phrase attached to the idea of standing. I mean, we use it in various ways. When you want to be tough about something, the expression is, you need to take your stand. When you need to come up against somebody who's opposed to you, you know, somebody will say, you know, you need to stand up against him. When you want to... Uh, you know, fight for something and you don't want to give it up. It's stand your ground. It always is about standing because standing is a posture of strength. Any other posture is a posture of either humility or submission, one or the other. If you bow, if you sit, if you lie down, but standing is strength. God basically says to Asa, you want to do it your way? You got it all under control? Fine. Why don't you just have a seat? and forces this man off his feet. Now do the math. He was afflicted in the 39th year of his reign. He dies in the 41st year of his reign. He had two years to think about this. And all in that time, he never sought the Lord. I wonder. We don't know, but I wonder. In the course of those two years, had he humbled himself and said, no more self-reliance, I need to rely on God, would God have restored him physically, spiritually, and his reign again as king? But no, the end of this guy's life is a guy who dies from disease in his feet, a man who could no longer stand in any way. God, deliver us 
from the sin of self-reliance. The writer of 2 Chronicles intended the book to be a reminder of God's love and faithfulness to the people of Israel. They needed this history lesson to remember and renew their trust in their Creator. Can you recall a time in your life where God came through for you? When you find yourself in a difficult situation, remember that moment. God will always be with you, and His promises are always worth holding on to. We hope today you've been blessed by everything you heard on Cornerstone Connection. This teaching and others like it are all available on our website to listen to again, or even download and share with others at cornerstoneconnection.cc. You'll also find more information about this program and Pastor Gary, as well as some helpful resources. Just click Companion Resources under the Teachings tab to find PDF files that will enhance your own study of God's Word. We'd also love to meet you in person, so if you're in the Leesburg area, please come by one of our services. We meet Sundays and Wednesdays to worship our Creator and study His Word. If you can't make it to a service, you can always live stream them from our website. Find out more at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Thanks for tuning in today. Join Pastor Gary again for another insightful edition of Cornerstone Connection. Not a